forget everything you've ever heard about dieting. What if you could eat the foods you love and find a way to get fit that was actually enjoyable? Welcome to Have It All with Devin Alexander. The chef from TV's Biggest Loser has lost 70 pounds and kept it off for over 30 years. She has also helped others to stop yo-yo dieting and actually transformed their lives. Now, here's your host, Devin Alexander. Hey, everyone. Happy uh, Thanksgiving Eve and happy Wednesday. I'm so excited to be here right now. Uh, I'm going to give you my baby update since I feel this audience is the one who first knew about that. For those who don't know, I am about to adopt a foster baby girl, or I'm fostering in hopes of adopting a baby girl, I should say. In the foster care program, there's always that risk until parental rights are terminated that they could go back. Um, So I'm providing a home until we find out if she could go safely to her family. But I have not gotten her yet. Um, I thought a month ago, as you know, that I was going to, and uh, I was told I was on the list, and I was approved, which is so excited, and I am, Uh, but then I found out that my criteria was not in the computer, meaning that sort of child that I'm looking for was not ever put in, so when they typed in baby girl, I would not come up, and then uh, about... Uh, two weeks of wondering why the phone wasn't ringing, I found out that uh, I, well, that's when I found that out and started to really try to get to the bottom of things. And I did get a call this week, actually got a couple calls. They weren't the right fit. Uh, One of them was for a 17 year old um, since there was no matching criteria, but I'm not looking to adopt a 17 year old at this time, although I wish I could have. Uh, So that's kind of where I am. But again, I'm back to the phone could ring any minute and my entire life can change which is so exciting. And of course, the young girl's life would change. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. And that's kind of what I'm most grateful for this Thanksgiving. Now, I have an amazing guest today uh, who I'm also grateful for. But before we jump into her, she is perfect for this time of year because we're getting into that season where we have, sometimes we have money stresses. We think we need to worry about things. Or we have had thinking in the past that hasn't served us in the way that we could, so we're not uh, totally prospering with money. Well, she can help with all of that. Uh, Actually, I think I'm just going to jump right in now that I say it, because she's so amazing, I don't want to miss a minute with her. Her name is Chelly Campbell. She's the creator of the Financial Stress Reduction Workshops, which, by the way, she's been teaching for, she just told me, 28 years. I've known her for probably, God, 15 plus years, but didn't realize that they'd been going on that long before. So you know she's doing something, right, if people are attending workshops this many years. She's the author of the best-selling books, The Wealthy Spirit, Zero to Zillionaire, and From Worry to Wealthy. Doesn't that sound great? They've been published in seven countries and in six languages. She was voted most inspirational speaker by Women in Management, Speaker of the Year, by Association of Women Entrepreneurs and Rotarian of the Year by the Pacific Palisades Rotary Club. She's a past president of the Los Angeles chapter of NALBO, which for those of you who don't know is the National Association of Women Business Owners, and was Los Angeles District SBA Women in Business Advocate. She's been prominently, prominently quoted as a financial expert in the Los Angeles Times, Family Circle, Red Book, Good Housekeeping, Lifetime, Essence, Women's World, and more than 50 popular books. So, welcome, Chelly. Thank you so much, Devin. It's so great to talk to you. 
You too. I am just blown away by your success and your awesomeness. And I want to jump into that. But first, I want you to tell people where you came from, like why you are qualified to be showing people that they don't have to worry and they can turn worry to wealthy. Well, it's a long trip because I've been around the sun many times in this lifetime. But I started out in life as a musical comedy actress. Uh, Perfect for what I'm doing now, right? What a background. (laughs) Well, it is. I mean, honestly, that's why you're so brilliant on TV and are being, are getting all of Well, it it is kind of that way. I have, um, you know, I sang and danced for a living and I thought that's all I would want to do. But then I discovered that it was kind of boring doing repetitions of a show. Because in school, you did a long run. It was three weekends. But then I did five shows a day, five days a week for nine months out of Disneyland, and I thought I would die. Oh, wow. Well, so how did you make the transition, and what did you have a rock bottom that had you launch into this? Oh, that was the rock bottom. I said, this is not going to be for me. Ah. This is just too deadly dull. But in between acting jobs, I took secretarial jobs. And one of them said that right after I left that Disney job, I got this one secretarial job, and it was only supposed to be for two weeks, and they said, you fit in really well here, and we'd love to have you stay. And I said, I can't do that. I'm an actress. I have to go on auditions. And they said, okay, you can go. We'll just pay you for the hours you work. And I said, oh, you got a deal. But see, five months later, their office manager quit, and they promoted me up into that job. And I said, but that involves bookkeeping and finance, and I don't know anything about that. They said, you'll learn it. We'll teach you. And I went, well, okay. Because I have a friend who says, when I'm about to take a risk, I consider the downside. If it's not death, I do it. (laughs) (laughs) And that made me giggle. And then I discovered I had a facility for business. I could understand See, math in school was just so dull because it didn't really apply to me. But math in this job was money, and it was my money and the people, other people who work there's money, and how are we going to make the business grow? And I could just see how to do it. So I kept making suggestions, and they kept going, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, we'll do that. And I just soared with it, and I wrote my agent, my theatrical agent, a letter and said, thank you so much for all of your help, but I'm done here. Because I got a call to do the lead in Three Penny Opera at the Houston Alley Theater in Texas. And I thought, I love this job I have, and I get to go every day, and people like me, and I like them, and I get to be creative. You know, I thought creativity was all about the arts, but it's not. It's creative anywhere you are. So I left that, and eventually I was hired to run a small bookkeeping service, and I grew it from two people to 13 people. And along the way, I became a partner, and then I bought my partners out. And then I was noticing that everybody was stressed about money, and people were making a lot of mistakes about money. Because when you're looking in people's checkbooks, you can see what's going on. (laughs) So I started making suggestions to people, and they went, boy, you should teach this. Huh. And so what kind of suggestions would you see just by looking in someone's checkbook? 
Well, I would see that they weren't counting the money. They were writing down incorrect amounts as, you know, oh, the check was $300, but really it was 278.42, you know, so they could never balance their checkbook. And then they were doing things like spending a lot of money promoting a $10 item and, and losing money on it. Instead, they should be focusing on their big package, $2,000 item, but that was more scary, so they did the simple sales because they got a lot of yeses. Instead of doing the big sale, that really made a profit because it was more difficult and more people said no. So I did that kind of focus. And then, so you started your workshops, and if someone's stressed about money right now, and they feel like they do add up their checkbook correctly and that kind of thing, but they just think they can't earn money, what do you say? Well, see, that is the basic problem. They think incorrectly. People need to be proactively positive about their thoughts about money. And what I discovered that, you know, I would ask people, what do you think about money? And they'd go, oh, money doesn't grow on trees. Money is the root of all the evil. It's hard to make money. You've got to work hard. And, and I said, boy, that's a lot of negative thinking. I sure heard a lot about the power of positive thinking. So I would ask them, have you heard about the power of positive thinking? And they go, well, yeah, I believe in thinking positive. I go, well, what's all this stuff about money you've got in there? That doesn't look so positive. They go, oh, well, that's just all I heard. And so in my studies, as I was looking at people and looking at our society, our, our school system does not teach financial literacy. Right. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean... They just don't ever say, okay, you're going to go apply for a job. How does that work? And how are you going to negotiate the salary you're paid? And, oh, by the way, when they say they're going to pay you 3000 a month, you're not going to see all 3000 because they're going to have deductions for taxes and payroll and health insurance and blah, blah, blah. So then you get a check for 2400 and you go, what happened? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so... We- so- Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, so we really need a financial education, and people weren't getting it, so I started giving it. And so the Financial Stress Reduction Workshop, is that the basics on, I mean, I know you have so many brilliant tips because I've read your books, as you know, but (laughs) I haven't taken your workshops, I will admit that. And I do still, believe it or not, get your newsletter like every day with your positive, uh, so many positive messages. Yay! Um, that can is you really t- good. Yeah, can you tell people my about whole this? program yeah. starts. It's an eight-week program, two hours a week for eight weeks, which I now, for the last ten years, have been doing on the telephone as a teleclass because my books got popular and people wanted to take it who couldn't come to LA for eight weeks. And I'm never doing a weekend. Let me just clue you in because you cannot listen to stuff about money for three days in a row. And for sure, at the end of the three days, you're not going to have more money. So I always tell people, you take my class, you're going to have more money at the end or less debt or a better job or some really fabulous things like that are going to happen. Wow. So the first step is positive thinking. You've got to change the messages in your head. Like, do you know how many thoughts a day the average person has? No. How many? 60,000. Wow. 
That's the estimate through neuro-linguistic programming. They did studies on this. The average person has 60,000 thoughts every day, and 95% of those thoughts are the same thoughts you had yesterday. Wow. Not a whole lot of new thinking going on, and 80% of them are negative thoughts. Ooh. Yeah. That's kind of what we take in, you know, as we're being parented. There's a lot of don't messages. Don't get your dress dirty. You know, don't climb that tree. It's dangerous. Uh, You know, you go and ask your parents for money, and they go, what do you think? I made money. And you listen to them maybe argue about money, and you just take in all of this negative messaging. And there's not a whole lot of positive messaging about money out there. Huh. So I tell people, instead of all those negative thoughts, you have to start believing in your ability to create an income. You have to think things like, people love to give me money. See, you almost can't say it without smiling. It's a whole different look at it. Right. Something wonderful is going to happen to me today. I can feel it. And then for the skeptics, I always say there's a a little one that I say that says, my affirmations work for me, whether I believe they will or not. Ah. Right. Because it feels really weird. If you're, if you're used to thinking negatively about money and there's never enough and you don't know how you're going to make more money, then saying something like, people love to give me money and I'm rich and wonderful feels really awkward and it feels like a lie. So I tell people right. it isn't a lie. It's telling the truth in advance. Right. (laughs) It's true. And, you know, it's so funny because I've had so many guests on here, all who have incredible success. And whether it be me talking to people about their weight loss notions um, Mm -hmm. and their weight loss beliefs, which we really do. We have a lot of negative thinking on so many fronts. And that really is even in weight loss. Like the first step to changing it is to believe you can, to believe you can eat healthy food. And, you know, obviously you have to back it up and take action. I mean, um, saying that all day long and then sitting watching movies is not going to make that happen. Right, exactly. That's where I follow it up. I say, well, all the positive thinking is the law of attraction, focusing on what you want because more of that will show up, whatever you focus on. But I say it's not the law of abracadabra. The law of attraction is getting you to focus and getting to you to think positively, and that enables you to take the positive action. Because you're not going to take action if you think it won't work. Right. But the people that just want to do positive thinking and not take any action, I go, yeah, well, how many affirmations would you have to say in front of a piano before you could play it? Right. Yeah, right. It's true. I mean, it's, it will, and you bring up a good point, like Olympic gymnasts, you know, they have to believe that they can do that. If they went into the Olympics believing that they couldn't, and for those, again, skeptics out there who are like, well, not everybody wins the Olympics, but they don't, but a lot of people, or not a lot, but, you know, the people who could get close are people who, you know, really believed that that was a possibility for them. Yes, and... Let me just say this. Winning, we have to be focused on the daily wins of our accomplishments, whatever they are. We're so focused on who's number one. And that's the old male paradigm, if I might say so. 
You know, we got to yeah. be number one. We got to be the top dog. We got to be the best. And and like nothing else has any value. And I'm here to tell you, if you got to be number one in order to be happy, we're only going to have one happy person on the planet. Right. Well, yeah, and that's kind of where I was going. Like the Olympic gymnasts, I mean, look what they accomplished that they wouldn't have if, you know, I mean, most of even the runner-ups and people like, you know, bronze medalists and uh, go on to do amazing things with their lives. Um, yes. That came out of them, yes, not necessarily being the winner, uh, but even if you look at, you know, from a money standpoint, they're still, they end up, you know, turning that into cash eventually. So, Well, you know, even just the kids that go and try out and are on the team at their school, and they're never going to be the super Olympic contender, but they're going to have fun. They're going to learn about their bodies. They're going to be able to be healthier because they're working out. And there's so many wins along the way in that. When I was working on my first book, The Wealthy Spirit, I I didn't know anything about publishing or writing a book, so I bought a lot of books on how to do it. And one book, I, I loved this title, How to Get Happily Published. Oh. I said, that's how I want to do it. I want to enjoy the little wins every day. I want to be happy with every accomplishment. And what this woman did was just take you through every little bit of everything. You know, if you write your query letter to an agent, celebrate. If you get a response, celebrate, even if it's no. You heard yeah. from somebody. You keep on going until you get a yes, and then have a party, you got a yes. Then you do the next step, try and get a publisher. Then you do the next step, you're writing your book, and you write a page. Yes, celebrate. You finish a chapter. Yes, celebrate. I mean, I just loved it. I was happy every day I was writing. Right. And we should. I mean, that's it, it's so funny that you say that because, you know, I um, finished my ninth book now, as you know, and it's really easy to be like, ugh, another book, you know? Uh-huh. And it's true, like, with every... I have found that like even getting, you know, close to something is really, really, truly worth celebrating. Um, Yeah, it really will keep us happy. So speaking, going back to happy and money. So let's say, okay, so we know we have to do affirmations. Now, what would you say is the next step for someone who really feels like I've got to flip my situation? I'm, you know, bogged down in debt or even I just don't have a ton of savings where do we start? Okay. Here's one of the things I say you got to do. You got to do a budget. And people hate that. That's math. And I go, budget stands for baby, you deserve getting everything. And oh. Yeah. Look at it positively, right? Yeah. You know what? I just realized that we need to take a commercial break. So let's sit on that. Baby, you deserve everything. Getting uh, everything, B-U-D-G-E-T. Say that one more time, and then we're going to break. Baby, you deserve getting everything. Okay, we're going to come right back, and we're going to elaborate. Stay tuned. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. 
Tune in to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and special VIP co-hosts for an entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussion with some of the top stars in their fields, from business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, literature, and current events. If you're looking for what's next and comparing it to what's now or what's past, look no further than The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. You are listening to Have It All with Devin Alexander. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to fans at devinalexander.com. Now, back to Have It All. Hey, everyone. So we are back with Chelly Campbell, the author of The Wealthy Spirit, Zero to Zillionaire, and From Worry to Wealthy. Doesn't, doesn't that all sound so great, especially as we are tempted by Black Friday this and Black Friday that and and knowing that the holidays are coming and that we're going to be spending more money. But Chelly tells us not to worry. Uh, she helps us flip our thinking. And just before the break, she told us about an acronym she has for budget. Budget actually stands for Baby, You Deserve Getting Everything. So welcome back, Shelly. Thank you very much. It always makes me smile thinking a budget means you deserve getting everything, you know. And it's because we usually look at a budget as telling us we can't have stuff. Because left to our own devices, we'd buy everything in the world, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So... It, you know, when you get used to thinking positively and getting control over your budget, like say if you're in debt, what I tell people is the positive affirmations and the thinking, it, isn't, it doesn't stop with just doing a list of positive affirmations in the morning. Then every time something with money comes up, you have to look at it to find a positive. For example, if you're paying off bills, You've got your bills come in, and it makes you miserable when a bill comes in. You have to just stop. What I say is don't pay bills except once a week. Just collect them in a file. Give all your attention to income production. 
How can I make more money? What's another way I can get money? Is it time to ask for a raise at work? Is it time to raise my fees if I'm an entrepreneur? Then, let's say budgeting or bill-paying time is Friday morning at 10 o'clock. Then you pull out all the bills, and then you look at, these are the things that I have agreed to purchase, and I want them in my life. And so I have some credit card debt, but it's because I bought a lot of stuff, and I'm happy using that. So I'm going to pay this bill with a blessing. I'm going to put thank you on the check or do a prayer of thanks if I'm paying through the online banking or whatever it is. But make sure you send the money out with a blessing because it's enriching somebody else who is praying and hoping for money in the door so they make their living. You know, like we pay the light bill. Well, you're happy to have the lights, aren't you? It keeps your computer running. It keeps your your uh, copier running, it keeps the stove on, all kinds of stuff. It's heating and cooling. you got to have electricity. So don't go, oh, damn, that electric bill. You go, oh, I'm so glad I live in a day and age with the luxury of lights and stoves and heating and central air. That well, changes you know, your whole perspective. It's funny that you say that because... I remember when I was paying more taxes because I was making more money, I was actually like, you know, you begrudge it a little bit, but the truth was, I was like, I'm so excited that I'm making this much money that I have to yeah. pay taxes. And I think, I mean, I happily, like right now I have great team members in my office and I do happily write their checks. To me, it's, you know, when people promise services and they don't deliver and I'm paying checks and it makes me crazy. Oh, Yeah. Well, that's why you have to fire them upon occasion. Yes. Well, you know, sometimes in our world, I mean, not to get on a side tangent on this, but in our world when there's publicists and there's, you know, like people promising that they can, you know, make introductions or do whatever and you'll make 10 times as much and then you make nothing, you know those people. Right, right. It's disappointing. But you know what? We have to go there. Okay, we're always taking a risk. We believe in the best, and sometimes people deliver the best and beyond the best, and sometimes they don't. So it's like what I say, it's the standard deviation in probability theory, which the easy explanation of is if you flip a coin 100 times, it's going to land 50% of the time at tails and 50% heads. But if you only flip it 10 times, it could land heads every time. And then with that small a sample, some people go off and say, okay, well, every time you flip a coin, it's going to land heads. Or every time I hire somebody, it isn't going to work. Or people are always going to disappoint me. Or every time I fall in love, it doesn't work out. You can't, it's too small a sample. So for me, whenever something bad happens, and bad things happen to everybody, we, all, we don't win all the time. Even the most successful person on earth loses sometimes or has people that don't like them. There's nobody that is universally loved. Right. So one of the things that I had to get in my life, because I was raised to be a good girl, and that meant that everybody had to like you, right? Yeah. So I go to a party, there's 100 people, 99 of them like me, and one doesn't, and I'm following that one around trying to do whatever it is they need to do to like me, you know. Uh, That's just so stupid. 
Yeah. So I just got it. You know, there's your people and not your people. Right. That's it. Two kinds of people. So hang out with the people that are like you, that you like. Right. So I, I once was, you know, I was really stuck in this mode where I was a victim, I was getting yelled at, you know, the sexual harassment thing that's really up right now where all these women are coming out and say, yeah, this happened to me, but he's powerful and I'm not and I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job and I need my job, so I just sort of giggle and slide out and make like it's, oh, just boys will be boys. Well, now, oh, ground flow is happening, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Really, people are really angry about it, and a lot of men are paying the price, finally. Well, when I was being a victim myself, I just was, I worked with a bunch of sharks who were yellers and screamers, and I was in show business still at the time, and uh, I said, this isn't going to work, and I found a book by Harvey McKay called Swim with the Sharks Without Getting Eaten Alive, and I said, well, I need that. So I read the book, and it was wonderful, lots of tools and tips. But by the time I got to the end of it, I said, but why swim with sharks to begin with? Why not swim with dolphins? You know, there are wonderful people out there. I'd rather be with them. So I had this analogy, shark or dolphin and who's who. But then as I looked at people, there were a whole lot of people who were not either a shark or a dolphin. They were the victims like I was, so I called them tuna. Ah. So, I'm a tuna in recovery. <laughs> nice. And so, what does it mean to you? I know you have these brilliant uh, things around being a dolphin. What does it mean to you to be a dolphin now? Well, dolphins are friendly. They swim in schools. They jump all over the water looking beautiful, and they're having fun. And and they've also been tough. They've been known to ward off shark attacks and protect other fish in the sea. Sharks are eating machines. You can't do anything about it. They're born to eat. That's why they got those big teeth. And they see the whole world as food. So if you're in the water with a shark, they're going to eat you. They'll be really nice sometimes and just say, oh, you're so wonderful, and then eat you when your back is turned. So tuna are the food for the sharks. They're swimming with the sharks going, oh, he's really a nice dolphin in there someplace. I'm going to help him find his inner dolphin. Meanwhile, they don't notice that there's blood in the water and it's theirs. Right. So it's like if you're feeling victimized, you can get out of it. You need to make different choices. You need to toughen up. You need to say no to people. You have to have boundaries. I read another book that was really central to my experience which was called When I Say No, I Feel Guilty. And I know a lot of women who need this book because I couldn't say no to people. They'd ask me to just, oh, sure, I'll work overtime. Oh, sure, I'll get the extra report done. Oh, sure, and never ask for more money. No, 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 no. So, uh, and then people will ask you to do work for them because it helps them, right? So sometimes you want to do it, and other times you have to say, no, I don't want to spend my available extra time doing that. I want to have some fun. I want to have some downtime, whatever. Right. So it's really a a quick management tool for deciding who's who, because in terms of money, you can only do business with dolphins. 
Could dolphins play win-win? And dolphins have money. They're successful. Sharks want all the money for themselves. They're not going to give you anything. And tuna don't have any money. Good point. That's pretty much it. So with your book, Zero to Zillionaire... Yeah. How is that? I'm curious how that is different. Obviously, I know this, but I'd love for you to tell us how that is different from the other books. Because that, to me, I mean, honestly, from worry to well, well, I'd love the tips, your big tips, like your, you know, if there's three big tips from each of them, because as I said, I know they're all super brilliant. But uh, <laughs> like, how are they different? I think particularly, though, the wealthy spirit, I feel like people get the affirmation. I mean, they understand that they need that a little bit more. Um, but I think the other two are particularly the promises are like, really? How? Yeah. Well, the, the, um, the wealthy spirits, the pay today for every day of the year with a story and a quote and an affirmation. So it illustrates a basic principle of my thinking about money and keeping people on the upward trend on it with a lot of stories that people can relate to. Well, you never know when you publish a book. I was a first-time author. There was no Amazon back then, and I just I went through the nine yards of getting an agent in New York and then getting a publisher, and you don't know if anybody's going to read it because there's millions of books out there. But it started with the networking groups that I belong to here in L.A., and they bought a book, and then they came back and bought four more for their friends. And it started spreading like that. And so, but I wasn't a million seller like, you know, I wasn't a New York Times bestseller like Susie Orman, so she sold two million books, and I thought, well, I'm really kind of a failure here, but, you know, I I had a, a good feeling about just getting out there for people, and then after two years, my uh, editor at Sourcebooks, my publisher, called me up and said, okay, we're ready for your next book. And I was totally taken aback. I said, what? She said, oh, yes, this book has been very successful, and we want you to write another one. I said, well, I had no idea. I said, I haven't sold that many. She said, Shelly, how many did you think you had to sell in order to be successful? I said, well, at least a million. She said, there's only about three books that sell that many. Uh I said, oh. She said, the magic number is 10,000. See, I had no idea. She huh. said the average book in America sells 500 copies. You have sold 12,000 of the wealthy spirits, so you're in profit. Only two out of ten books make a profit for the publisher. So, yeah, we want you to do another one. I said, okay, let me get back to you. So then I sort of, I, I mean, doing a page a day for every day of the year was like exhausting and hard. I, I came up with a hundred of them pretty quick, but then I realized I had 265 more to do, and I went, Ugh. So then I thought, what else am I going to say? I've said everything. And then I went, well, I have an eight-week workshop, and I need to do the book where people can put everything into practice in a consistent way. And if what they want is budgeting help, there needs to be a chapter on budgeting, whereas The Wealthy Spirit just has pages sprinkled throughout the year, right? Right. So I did it like my workshop. 
And I told new stories because new stories happen to you all the time. So I had things that I hadn't shared before and put it into a consistent practice and put in stuff from my class that hadn't been put in before. So that was Zero to Zillionaire. And what are a few of those tips that people can take and have action on today? Okay, here's one. After thinking positive and then counting your money, you need to take positive action, which is what I call sending out ships. Sending out ships. I took the image from an old movie from 1939 called Lloyds of London, starring Tyrone Power and Freddie Bartholomew. And it was about the insurance company beginnings in, in London in the 1800s. And they would insure the merchants who built the merchant ships, the big sailing clipper ships, you know, that we see sometimes in the harbors in New York and Los Angeles. Uh-huh. So they'd spend a lot of time, money, and effort hiring a crew, provisioning it, and sending the ships sailing out of London Harbor to sail for poor, foreign ports, and trade for gold and jewels and silks and spices. And then one day, and sometimes they'd be gone for years, and there was no ship-to-shore communication in those days. They'd send the ship out and wait. And so one day the ship comes in laden with all this treasure, and on that day the merchant's fortune is made. And that's where the expression, waiting for my ship to come in, comes from. But some oh. people are going down to the dock waiting for their ship to come in, but they didn't send any out. So it's your job to build ships and send them out because stuff happens to ships. You can't just send one because sometimes you're going to get mutiny on the bounty and sometimes you're going to get Pirates of the Caribbean, and we all know what happened to the Titanic. This is true. Okay, well, we have our, we're going to another break now, but when we come back, Chelly's going to give us more tips on how exactly you send those ships out and how to get closer to zillionaires. Stay tuned, everyone. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
You are listening to Have It All with Devin Alexander. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to fans at devinalexander.com. Now, back to Have It All. Hey, everyone. I'm back with Chelly Campbell, the author of The Wealthy Spirit, Zero to Zillionaire and From Worry to Wealthy, talking about money. She was just telling us in the old days how you'd have to send out the ships and you'd wait for them to come back because there was no communication. And she's translating that for us right now into we need to send out ships for fortune to come. So Chelly, how do you send out those ships or what do those ships look like in today's modern world so that our bank accounts are full and plentiful? Well, sending out a ship is a wonderful process. And if you focus more on that than um, feeling badly about your money or that you're trapped in a job, start looking around for something else. What is your passion? What would you really love to do? Who's doing that already? Read their biography. Find out how they did it. There's all kinds of lists. It's just like a recipe for a meal. You just you follow the directions. People have written how to get a job. They've written how to make money. They've written uh, how to get out from under a bad boss. They've, they've written everything. So do some research and find out. Now, if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner like you and I are, then it's a matter of, okay, well, I have a workshop. I created this workshop out of a need that I saw from working with people in my bookkeeping service. So I saw that there was a need for financial education. So then I have to tell people about it. Everything I do to tell people about it is a shift doing a 30-second commercial at a networking group, giving a speech somewhere, writing a book, writing a brochure, posting on Facebook or LinkedIn or any social media. Every time I reach out to do advertising, marketing, or sales, that's sending a ship. Okay. So, and then can you give us some of the other tips from your book? Like if, if someone was like, why should I read... Zero to Zillionaire, what's it going to teach me? What would you say? It's going to teach you to have a happy life more than anything. And we're all on the scale somewhere between zero and zillionaire, between nothing and everything. So why are we are where we are on the scale? And how are people moving up the scale? Or how do we fall off the scale? So it's reminders about how to get through bad times because we're all going to have things that don't work, standard deviation. <laughs> right. So when they don't work, it's not a time to be depressed and uh, feel horrible, although you can do that for an afternoon, you know, if it's a big thing. It's like I had a deal to publish The Wealthy Spirit before I got the publisher's source books. It was perfectly wonderful for me. I had a deal with um, Harper San Francisco. The parent was... Harper Collins, and uh, I had that deal for four days, told everybody about it, and on the fourth day it was canceled because Harper Collins had just signed another woman to do a page a day book about money. I was destroyed. I went to I went to bed, turned up the electric blanket to mother, and cried. Yep. 
And then the next day I got up and I said, well, she can't write my book. My book is all my stories. They're personal to me. The lessons that I've created or learned are going to be important to some people. So I'm not her, and that's fine. And there are 6,000 publishers out there, and I'm going to go and get one. See, this is I recommend the energy of anger because it's focused and it's intense. And I said, okay, I lost that deal, but there's another deal out there, and it'll probably be better for me. And sure enough, that's what happened. So that's, there's a whole chapter on surviving the storms because there are storms at sea, and that's when you learn how to sail your ship. A ship is safe in the harbor, but that's not its purpose. We're supposed to be sailing. Even though some days are sunny and some days are stormy, we have to learn how to sail in both conditions. So this book, Zero to Zillionaire, is all about that. Where are you headed? Where are you going? And enjoy the ride. You know, we spend so much focus and time on getting there. We set goals, and then we feel bad if we don't get them. Well, the goals you get every day, it's like that book, How to Be Happily Published. It's like how to live a happy life. You have to decide you're happy about all the stuff you have. Somebody told me this prescription for depression once. Think only about yourself and think about what you don't have. Isn't that it? Yeah. No, it's totally true. I mean, it's interesting because I know we've all gone through lulls in life, and it really is about, I mean, I've had publishers, interestingly, like, one publisher offered me six times what another publisher offered. So it is funny when you use, I mean, I'm not kidding, like literally six times the amount and for the exact same manuscript for the exact same book. And in part, it was because the one publisher published my first book and Uh a lot of, I mean, I'm not sure if people know this, but you have, you sometimes have a first look deal. Like basically you're with a publisher and they, if you get, you have to give them the offer for your first book. If you don't think it's as much money as you should get, you could go to other publishers. And then if another publisher wants to pay you more, your original publisher has an option to say, yes, I'll pay you that or no. Well, so what happened in this case was the first publisher published my first book. Then I got on TV a ton and I went to other publishers for my next book and I was actually out of my contract. So I didn't have to do like, I didn't have to go to them, but I sent it to a number of publishers and we literally got six times more for one because that publisher saw me as a commodity, like as somebody who was new to them, who was um, exciting and not like they helped me with my first book and now they're going to do my second book. And it's so funny because had my original publisher, like it could have been the same situation. Like my original publisher could have turned me down for a second book and then I could have gone, like that could have been a blessing. Like I just got six times more, but instead it's, you know, know, sometimes exactly the same thing as when somebody gets a job and then they get a promotion or they get a cost of living raise. I, I had a woman once who had started with a chamber of commerce as a part-time secretary. And then she just made it her business to go to all the uh, businesses in the area and get them to join the chamber. And then she was full-time, and then she was executive director and had six assistants of her own. 
And she was still getting a cost of living raise 2% per year based on her starting salary as a part-time secretary. Yeah. And it's she amazing. was really angry and she was going to quit. And I said, don't that do that. Ask for money because the fact that you're not being paid more is your fault. And she was mad about that. And I said, well, just listen. They don't know how much you're, you should be making. They're paying you, they think they're doing a good thing. They're not paying attention to the fact that you've tripled the receipts of the business, that you've grown it from 100000 to 300000 and some of that money should be yours. She goes, they know that. I said, they don't know that in terms of how to pay you better. So you've got to do some research about how executive directors of the $300,000 a year range, how much they get paid. So she did the research, she practiced with me, and she got a 35% increase in salary. Yeah. But- no, it's true. And I mean, so we're living, I mean, a lot of people talk about millennials and we're living in a time of entitlement. So we, uh-huh. we should quickly address that there's a fine line here. I will say, however, that again, I'm one of those people who loves writing checks when I feel there's value. Yeah. And I went through a stint, like I I had great assistance for the first like 12 years of my business and I just came through a stint of bad and worse and worse and worse and bad and it Ooh. was crazy. Like I literally was like, why am I getting all of these people? Like why am I not, you know, it, I was like looking into my leadership, like what am I doing? How am I hiring wrong? Yeah, and yeah. I. I finally, I mean, honestly, I don't, I looked into all that. I didn't really figure it out, but weirdly, like I just recently got two new employees who are awesome. And like yesterday they were helping me organize. Um, they've been here, you know, a little while, but they've been helping me organize. They both like have totally stepped up. And when I was cleaning stuff out yesterday, there were things that honestly, like I'm in this clear the clutter mode and I'm not great at that. But there were some dresses that I really like that I really, you know, sometimes when you don't want to give up things because you're like, oh, this is nice. I might wear it once. But if you knew somebody else could use it, you'd be excited to give it away. And these two women are kind of those people. And because I'm not paying them a ridiculous amount of money, like I find myself looking for ways to reward them more. And so I was giving them all sorts of gifts from my house that I like nice things that like, you know, this beautiful designer bowl that it just doesn't work in my house anymore. Instead of packing it up and, you know, or just throwing it in some goodwill pile, one of them got super excited about it. And so, you know, the fact that they're doing such a good job and like, I already know that I will give, I will be giving them raises before before the end of the year because well not before the end of this year meaning before they're here for a year yeah, but yeah. when I have I've always been like that when I have people who are really stepping up and then the other people I just am like oh my god I can't deal you know so like before you go asking for a raise make sure you are that woman who is you know adding to the business truly truly like you know concretely not, um, well, that's the whole thing, is you have to be able to prove your case. It isn't just, oh, I've been here for a year, so I could get, should get a 15% increase in salary. No, what have you been? Warming the seat for a year is worthless. What have you done to be proactive? What have you contributed to the bottom line? Where have you saved them money? Where have you made them more money? How efficient have you been so that they haven't had to hire two more people? I mean, you've got to prove your case. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
No, and I just wanted to, as I said, I wanted to touch on that because it isn't just about going and asking for more money. And I mean, although we all, you know, like the Mark Zuckerbergs and people, I mean, in part, they have these brilliant ideas and, and there's a little luck involved in that. There's no question, you know, like for whatever reason, their platform hit at the right time. Some of the, you know, influencers, like they jumped on Twitter or Instagram super early and got this huge following when the algorithm was a really, really a little bit different. So if you're suddenly trying to be an influencer and can't figure out why anybody's not following you, it's not you. And like, those are the kind of things it's like always finding that next thing, looking for the next way to get in, looking for the next new platform. So you can be the first one to do it. Um, Well, I scaled my business small and I did it on purpose. Uh, when I first started my workshop, I saw Tony Robbins was doing an infomercial on cable every night. And it had a thousand people in front of him, and they were all screaming and high-fiving each other. And I went, oh, that isn't my picture. What I really wanted to do was have a small mastermind group with six or eight people, ten maximum, so that everybody got personal attention. We could shine the light on the blind spot of where they were missing it and and really heal that piece, get them into the habit of always doing affirmations, of being proactive, of sending out ships, surviving the storms, and just going next. And I I just loved it. And you know what I discovered? Looking back over my life, the reason I went from acting then to bookkeeping and then to this workshop business, it's a combination of all my skills. And my whole life was training me to do this. But I had to go through all of that not knowing. You know, 16 years I'm singing and dancing, and then 12 years I'm running a bookkeeping and business. I'm I'm just going, my life makes no sense. But when I started doing these classes, it did make sense. And I knew that standing in front of a huge room giving a performance all day long would be just like the five shows a day at Disney. I wanted relationship. I wanted connection. I wanted to really talk with somebody about what was in the way because reading a book isn't going to be enough if you can't do it because you have some deep-seated issue. No, absolutely. And you know what? You just reminded me of something. So people say when you, for people who just don't know where their passion is or what they should be doing, the best thing you can possibly do is ask yourself, what was your favorite childhood toy? Ironically for me, it was a Holly Hobby oven. And in my entrepreneur groups, um, we found that most of the entrepreneurs, whatever they're doing now that they're super successful at, had something to do with their childhood favorite toy. You know, one of the favorite games that my sisters and I played was running a business. One sister ran the restaurant and fixed us lunch. One did the makeup and hair, and I did the accounting. I would get old receipts out of the neighborhood trash cans and and be fiddling with accounting. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, Telly, well, very quickly, tell people where they can find you because we are at the end, unfortunately. You've had such great stories, but just let people know where they can find out more. Okay. You can go to my website. My name is Chelly, spelled C H E L L I E. C H E L L I E dot com is my website. 
You can Perfect. reach me by email, Shelly at Shelly.com. And I have a free list, a giveaway of the top fabulous 14 affirmations. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was so good reconnecting with you. Everybody have an amazing week and I'll see you next week. And don't, don't overeat tomorrow, but bye everyone. Thanks for listening to Have It All. Be sure to join Devin Alexander for another great show next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Until we talk again, have a fit and fun week.